Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Rotor Report podcast. Uh, I'm your host Gav and uh, today I'm joined by Ruben Samut and I did make sure that's how you say your name um, before yeah. we started. <laughs> I recently left Sunderland and spent a year at the club uh, after joining the summer of 2019. Ruben, first things first, how are you, how are you doing? Are you well? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm not bad, I could be, could be worse. How, how's the last week or so been for you then since obviously you left Sunderland or were, were you expecting it? Um, it was half expecting it. I mean, it obviously very gutted, but I think the the age I was getting to, and for me, it was I needed to be playing first team football somewhere. And I think having a year at the academy and trying to break through into the first team, and obviously the, the manager Phil Parkinson wouldn't be able to guarantee me that next year. So I think from both parties, it's obviously the best decision was for me to try and pursue a career elsewhere and get first team football. So I kind of expected it in that that front but obviously it's um it was obviously bad news to take and obviously it's never easy to take stuff like that because it's a bit of rejection um but I think straight away I just wanted to be proactive as soon as I found out the news and obviously it's it's an exciting time as well because it's going to be I'm going to end up somewhere different and it's a new it's a new start really isn't it so I guess Mm. you've got to take the positives out of that um and obviously take the experiences I had at Sunderland although being short I did take quite a lot out of it and um yeah, it's going to help me elsewhere. Yeah, was there was there an opportunity for you to stay then, or or was was it a case of it, you know it was just the end of the road? Well, I I had a option in my contract, so I signed a year with a, an option to extend, and obviously with all the COVID that's happened, I was always a bit in the dark with what was going on. Because right. um, usually I, I'd say decisions made on a contract would be sort of you're talking March onwards. Um, but obviously that's when COVID happened. So then I, for two, three months, I'm just thinking, oh, I don't know what's going to happen, what, what's going to happen with the contract. And you start hearing stories about what's happening with the league. There's going to be budget cuts and salary cuts and all that stuff. And you think, is that putting me in a better stead uh, where I'm not demanding a big salary? So will I get uh, an opportunity in the first team next season? So you start creating scenarios in your head. Um, and then a little bit of hope comes up. But then I think ultimately it's down to game time and that kind of thing and at the age I'm at it, it wouldn't have been good for me just to be either sitting on the bench or not in the squad that kind of thing I need to be out there playing mm. so uh, let, let's take you back to when you first came to Sunderland obviously you arrived on trial at first didn't you I think you were still a Chelsea yeah. player when you came um, yeah. how, how did you first hear of Sunderland's interest in you? So it came I obviously was on uh, in loan in Scotland at Falkirk and then I came back in January after the six months and then it was um 
a decision from Chelsea, obviously, to say it was again a similar conversation saying, I'm getting to that age now where I need to be playing regularly in first team football. Um, and it was either obviously trying to get another loan or seeing out to the end of my contract. And I thought it was better if I just start fresh and find somewhere, somewhere new and Chelsea agreed. And then it was a case of it got to the end of January um, and then it's start looking for another club, start speaking to another club. And Chelsea initially, obviously they set up a whole thing where they got video clips of me playing, my performances on loan and uh, with the academy. And they, they sent that out to a, a long list of clubs in England. And obviously my agent had the same set of um, video clips and they sent it to clubs in England and abroad. And then you obviously got a few replies back and Sundon was one of the clubs that came back. And I think with Sundon being such a massive club and I think even the position they were in, in being in League One, it was quite an attractive proposition because you think League One, coming from a Premier League team, um, there'd be more opportunity to break into that first team. And I thought with such a massive club like Sunderland, they're, they're only going to want to be jumping back up the leagues and getting back into the Premier League because at the end of the day, that is the sort of club they are. They're a sleeping giant at the moment, but they are a Premier League team the, with the fan base, the facilities, the stadium. That's where they should be. So I thought if I can obviously get a good crack at a whip and get some games under my belt, do well there, then um, it would be a good place to kickstart my career. Hmm. That, that, that's fair fair enough, I guess, because when you did sign, obviously everybody saw, you looked, I think you were your captain of the reserves at Chelsea at the time. I mean, like yeah. you say, like you say, it's a good it's a good starting point for when you come to a League One club. You'd expect to play a lot of football. Um, so Jack Ross was the manager, obviously, when you arrived, and uh, yeah, what was he like? I mean, was he was he involved much in in that process? I think when I first uh, went up for the trial, I was initially just with the under twenty three. So obviously I trained with them, and then I had a couple of games uh, against Stoke and Aston Villa. But obviously, when it comes down to a decision for um, a player of my age, I get the first team do get involved. So they, they came to the trial game and watched uh, against Stoke. And then um, I think I had one or two training sessions with the first team during that trial period. Uh, but I didn't have too much conversation with them. It was more with the academy staff and Paul Reed, and it was John Tweedy at the time. But then two, three weeks later, I got asked to come up again. And that was in a in a first team like behind closed doors game. So that was mm. against um, Hartlepool. And then we, we we had a game and obviously it was a lot of the first team players who needed game time. And I was put in that, in that team and had a good, had a good trial game with that. And then uh, found out obviously they wanted to offer me a contract for the next season. So I guess they ultimately played a part in um, wanting to sign me because I guess I was at that age where I'm sort of on, on the fringe of the first team and being an older 23s player. Mm. So when you, when you came to Sunderland, were there many other clubs involved in trying to sign you or was it a case of just Sunderland were the only serious contenders at the time? There was obviously uh, replies back, but I think Sunderland were the, the main serious contenders. They obviously um, wanted to get me in straight away and I thought that was quite... I quite liked the fact that they, it seemed like they were interested in me, mm. where instead of my agent putting my name across to clubs and obviously they're responding, but I think... Ultimately, that was what I saw was the most attractive trait. And then when, obviously when I went up there, um, the club's such a family-based club. Like everyone there is so humble down to earth and really welcoming. And it just took me in, really. I quite I, I just enjoyed my trial up there and thought I didn't even... It, not like my decision was made, but I thought I don't really need to go try and go anywhere else because I just liked it so much up here. Yeah. You, you arrived a few months before you turned 22. 
Um, yeah. did, did you come expecting to be involved in the first team in the match day squad more often? Like I say, you obviously touched on it before that you, you hoped maybe that there would be the opportunity to do that. Were you given any sort of promise of potentially being involved more with the first team, you know, if you, if you hit a series of milestones or after a certain period of time? Um, not, not too much really. I mean, I, I went there, um, almost backing myself, um, to kind of break into the first team. And I think, although when I went there, they, they said, um, you'd be given as much opportunity as possible, that kind of thing. Cause I know before I even signed, uh, Jack Ross used to, um, every Thursday, the under 23s would train with the first team and obviously they had behind closed doors games and stuff like that. So I knew I'd always probably get a chance to show what I could do and get opportunities that yeah. way. And I thought I'd, I, I believed I'd back, I just believed in myself and backed myself. And I guess when I went there pre-season, that was probably, that was a good time. I, I'm quite disciplined with my fitness and I have a whole regime in the off-season. So I came back into pre-season fully fit, raring to go. And it put me in good stead because I, I came in, I was one of the fittest there, including with first-team players. And I trained quite a lot with the first team sporadically at first, but then and then obviously went away with them uh, to Portugal in July. And I thought I had a good preseason out there. Um, made two appearances, obviously in the friendly games, and thought I did well and had good um, reviews back from Jack Ross to say that he he was he liked what he saw. He liked my energy, my work rate, and I think in that posi- in that moment, I felt quite good of myself. And then um, obviously, I knew I understood when the season starts. It's a lot different. I'd not had league experience. There's a lot of players, very good players in the first team. And it's all about winning. And you, obviously a team that's underneath to get promoted, that kind of thing. And results are serious. I thought I've just got to sort of buy my time, wait. And when I get my chance, take it. So just keep training well every opportunity I get to train with them. And if ever I'm in the match day squad and get a chance, then I've obviously got to take that. You're not guaranteed game time. You're not guaranteed um, playing. You've obviously got to earn it. And then take it as well you've got to keep keep your place with good performances mm. what were your first impressions of of Sunderland when you got here obviously it's a long way from home and um I know when players sign for Sunderland they always talk about the impressive facilities and how great this and that and the other is but what what were your first impressions of of the club uh the, the same really I think the facilities are, are very good obviously it's a Premier League facilities and as a League One club you you're not going to get better than um the facilities at Sunderland and I think even Chelsea's facilities are state-of-the-art incredible but I get even Sunderland's you put them in that same category and um, I think coming from Falkirk I was at Falkirk on loan and that was sort of the training ground was the stadium everything was at stadium artificial pitch and I'm not someone to make a fuss over that kind of thing I just get put my head down get on with stuff so it was never never an issue and obviously coming to Sunderland it's it it was nice because you do get the, the same facilities, good gym, good pool, pitches are great. So I guess that was, that always left me a good impression. And I guess as well, even um, just the people, it was, it was all the staff and stuff. It was um, just very welcoming. So yeah, it was, it was always a good, imp- always had a good impression and that, that stuck with me. And I guess that's ultimately why I thought I want to take my career uh, down this path up in Sunderland. Mm. How did you adapt to living in the Northeast then? Was it, was it easy? <laughs> I think for me, yeah, it was a, it was quite easy. Uh, the, everyone was obviously saying it's a lot colder, but I think this year's not been too bad. The weather to me, yeah, it's not. Yeah. It has it hasn't been that bad. And even when I was in Scotland, um, it was the same. The everyone was just saying, oh, it's a lot colder, it's a lot greyer. But you just, I just get used to. It. I I live sort of a simple life, so obviously I had a flat in um 
Ashbrook and it used to just be train, go home, eat, sleep sort of thing. Like it, it was not that too hard to adjust because I would just, that was the life I was living everywhere I went. So yeah, and the, obviously the people, it seems like the people up north are a bit more friendly anyway. So it was, um, yeah, just going out and about, it was, it was, it was easy to adjust to. Not too bad living in Ashbrook either, is it? It's a nice area. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice... I I went up to Ashbrook um, a couple of months before, obviously. I signed just to have a look at places because that, that was... The, I had to obviously find my own place because I was... I didn't want to be in Diggs because um, I, I was got to an age... I'd been at Diggs for a few years at Chelsea and I thought, I'm at the age, I want to just get a flat, get my own place and then it, it helps me settle down quicker. Um, so I went up and looked at a few places and the one I found was in Ashbrook and... I loved it there. I loved living there. It was a really nice area. Um, not too far off was a like an Indian restaurant, um, and obviously it was it was only about five ten minute walk to the the city. Yeah. So yeah, lo- lovely place to live. Yeah. Grand. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask next about the obviously going to your experience of playing in the academy because obviously at the minute things are up in the air with the club. Fans are placing pretty much everything under scrutiny. But the academy itself, obviously, we spoke before about how the facilities are up to scratch when it comes to even the best Premier League clubs. Like you say, you've you've been at Chelsea and you you, you consider Sunderland Academy to be you know right up there. But the the running of it necessarily with with um, supporters, people don't quite understand how everything works there. Um, how did you find working with Paul Reed and, and how was how was he to deal with? To be fair, once I I signed, I didn't really have to uh, deal with Paul Reed too much. Um, Oh, really? I know, yeah. I mean, he he obviously came to uh, home games and and a few, watched a few training sessions, but I, I didn't really see too much of him. That doesn't surprise me actually, because that that was one of the things that people sort of wondered about him is just how long, how much is he around the place, you know? Because it's it's quite an important job, really. Yeah, yeah. I think I I would see him in the building a lot, but I, I obviously didn't have to deal with him myself too much. Mm. But I think with the the results. In the academy, it was obviously a very tough year for both the under-18s and under-23s. And I wouldn't necessarily put that down to blaming the, the coaching staff or anything like because all the players would... Um, obviously, Elliot Dickman was our manager. We'd back Elliot all the way. Like, training was always great. It was always at a good level, I think. And everyone always worked hard. And the sessions he put on were always great. I guess it came down to almost we're competing with Premier League academy teams PL2 teams that um, I just think we just weren't at the same level as them. So we were always training hard. The tactics we had, that kind of thing, I would never blame it down to that. I just think at the end of the day, we weren't good enough at the time to compete against those, those teams. Mm. And it was no, none of like fault of our effort or anything like that because we always put the work in on the training ground. And I think we always deserved the win or deserved the result. And a lot of the time we had a lot of bad luck. And once you get in a rut of seven, eight losses in a row, it just it just it's hard to get out of that. And obviously stuff stuff just stuff just doesn't go your way. And where stuff might just fall to you in the in the box and you get an easy goal or the goalkeeper can't quite get there or it goes off and in off the post, that kind of thing. We just weren't getting any of that luck at all. And we never wanted to feel sorry for ourselves. We always had quite a few meetings after we got a big defeat and obviously you can't dwell on it too much and Elliot would always say the same he he always had our back and he'd always believed in us he knew we could get a result and I I think maybe if this COVID situation didn't happen and the season continued and we had more games I think we're definitely en route to getting getting a result we deserved and that's 
even though the whole season was in in many people's eyes probably a shambles where we only got one draw i think if we ultimately got a win that that would have just made everyone's season a lot better but we obviously didn't get the opportunity to do that mm. you said you had a you know elliot dickman you got a lot of time from what i mean what was he like how did, how did you get along with elliot really great guy amazing people person he obviously he was almost like a, a friend to everyone in the under 23s group and i think that was always a strength of ours. We were quite a tight-knit group. Everyone got on with everyone. There was no sort of um, cliques or anything like that. Um, and ever, we always had a laugh. We always had... Sometimes we did team outings with the staff. Um, one time this summer, we, um, we went to Bellini's just as a group and obviously uh, had a nice meal out. And that's we did quite a lot of stuff like that together. Yeah. And Elliot, was he was a big believer in stuff like that and team spirit. So... He was the um, director of that kind of thing. And I think that was one of his strengths, being a, such a good people person. And everyone knew where they were, uh, where they stood with him. And if you didn't play a few games, you always put an arm around you and respected you. And I think that's the main thing you ask as a player is to be respected by the manager. And then in return, you give him respect. Mm. It's often said, isn't it, that um, results don't matter when it comes to under-23s football. So I was quite keen to get your take on on that particular theory, um, I mean, what, what was it demoralising knowing the team were more often not going to struggle or was it just kind of part and parcel, you know, I'm going to learn from it? I think, I know a lot of people have that uh, opinion on under-23s football and it's, it's obviously, it, it tarnishes it a little bit because when it comes, I've got quite strong beliefs about it because it, when it comes to people like me who's been in the academy system a very long time, um, and one of the older players and obviously been in, around the under-23s for three, four seasons, it's like, People don't take it that seriously. So when it comes to the next step and I want to progress to a first team, it's just, it almost gets looked down upon, oh, it's only 23s, but it's not real. Mm. And I think for a lot for a lot of us, we we do believe it's it's our, at the end of the day, it's, it's our world. It's the world we live in. It's our Premier League. If you think of it, it's our championship. It's our League One. So we take it very seriously. And obviously every defeat we had, everyone took it to heart. No one was ever thinking, oh, Oh, it's only a, it's only a loss. It's only twenty threes football. It's obviously your world at the time, and it does get you down. And we had a lot of down periods where you obviously got to pick yourself back up again. And then we had to try and get out of that uh, whole mindset and attitude that oh, it's another defeat. It's alright. We got the next game because we were losing so much. But yeah, I guess the fact that people don't look at it as such a it's just under twenty threes football. I think I want. I'd hopefully in future that that's not the case anymore. And I know, especially in my time at Chelsea, um, a lot of the time we, in our training sessions, we do a lot of throw-ons and long goal kicks because under 23 football is a lot of teams want to get down and play. And a lot of the scouts and football league managers um, who come to watch just think, ah, oh, that's not the real game. That's not how the football's mm. played in our league, how they're going to ever adjust. So we used to always... Um, bring football league the football league to our training sessions so our manager used to because our manager knew that's how people viewed it and he used to want to try and give us as good an opportunity as possible to for clubs to see us and see potential in us to obviously bring us in because at the end of the day managers will only bring players in they feel like they can trust and if they don't think you can hack the the physical side of the game or the second balls elements the aerial duels that kind of thing where you're so used to football being played on the ground at the academy, you're never going to get that chance. So um, I, I think, especially the stand in the last few years, the under-23s has, has gone up a notch because 
a lot of players we were playing against had played first team football for their clubs or gone on loan. Um, I think West Ham, obviously, in our league, had a quite a few good set of players that have now gone on loan to senior teams, and it was always a good level in the league. So, yeah. When I, when I think back to when I was a kid going to watch Sunderland Reserves, it was always like whoever wasn't playing in the first team with a mix of the best youth players against another team of players in the same situation. And when you listen to <clears throat> especially a lot of players who came through, came through in that system where they were basically at the age of 17, 18 year old playing against men, they all speak quite highly of it. They say it brought them on a lot, you know, it got them used to playing proper football in their words, proper football being against, you know, 30 odd year old um, defenders who've got hundreds of appearances to their name and stuff. I mean, I, I'm, I'm quite a big believer in that there should be some reform in academy football, maybe not to that extent where when you go back to what we did 20, 30 years ago, but definitely where some of the regulations are relaxed a little bit and, and more first-team players are encouraged to play in these games. I mean, what, mm-hmm. do you have any particular thoughts on that sort of thing? Because I, I'm, I'm as somebody who's came through a number of academy teams and, and has played mainly against people of your own age, would you think your, your game and the games of others you've played with would have benefited more haven't played against more seniors. Yeah, I think I think definitely, and I mean the introduction of the the Chucker Trade Trophy. Uh, obviously, with Sunderland, the under twenty threes aren't in that because the first team play. But at Chelsea, we thrived off the um, Chucker Trade games because obviously it was a chance for us to almost step into the senior game and show show them what we could do, and hmm. almost to say, look, we can compete with these men, we can compete with these first teams, um, and it was almost like a um, yeah, just a way to showcase what we could do. And with Chelsea, we got to the semi-final of the checker trade and we more than held our own and went down to penalties in the the semi-final, uh, kick away from Wembley, obviously losing to Lincoln. And then you see the year after Sunderland get to the um, final. So we would have been in that same situation the year before. And you just think that we were an under-23s team with probably an average age of 19, 20. Um, and I think it just shows that when you get the opportunity to play against men, that you can you can prove to them what you can do. And I think with reserve football back back in the day, because obviously when I was at Chelsea, 13, 14, reserve football was still there. Mm. You saw a lot of the first team. But I remember going to games and seeing players like Daniel Sturridge. Um, even at the time, I think Ivanovic played a game. I remember watching from reserves when he hadn't got too many games in the first team. And you think if you're competing against those kind of players, it is only going to bring push your level higher as well. I don't know what they can do with bringing that kind of reserve team football back. But I know with my time at Sunderland, where there's so many games um, coming thick and fast, um, and a lot, of the, a lot of the time, if the first team's doing well, it's the same team week in, week out. The players who are subs and not getting a game, particularly when I came on trial and a few times at the start of this season, there were behind closed doors games. and it allowed seven, eight of the under-23s players to join that team. And it was it was always, I always loved those kind of games because it meant we'd always play a Carlisle, Hartlepool, um, that kind of team. So you're playing against men and you're mixing in with the first team of men and it, it made you feel better as a player and it brought it brought your level of game up. And then in the, it's in those games, you find yourself, you, you see what your potential is and how well you can cope in those games. Um, so I think any way... If that's something they can do, reserve team football, I think, did push on a lot of players. And a lot of the players you see now in the Premier League, with the Daniel Sturridge's who were the Man Cities and stuff before, they would have been playing reserve football with men. And 
is it helps it definitely helps kick kick them on yeah. um i know i know a lot of academies now are taking the approach to send players out on loan at an early age to almost mask that same that same effect so they're getting men's football because i think the earlier that it is the better the earlier you get men's football the quicker you will adjust to it the more you you just learn every game every time you play uh in that kind of environment you you take a bit out of it each time so you can't beat um experience in in the men's football hmm. you can't yeah you, you you touched on it there that, that I, I'd be remiss not to ask this, but um, when you when you were at Chelsea, you played as part of a team who did quite well in the Czech trade. I mean, you must have came through with some unbelievable players at Chelsea. I mean, I'm presuming players like yeah. Tammy Abraham and Hudson Odoi were yeah. around your age. Yeah. So the the years we were um, we won back to back youth cup titles. You had the likes of Tammy Abraham, Dominic Solanke. Charlie Colkett, who's playing abroad in Sweden at the moment. Izzy Browns, Jeremy Bogers, who's out in Syria. So all the players that are playing very high level. Um, and then as I, as some of them went on loan, and I was staying in the under twenty threes. We obviously that was when we got to the Czechoslovakia semi final, and that team was Callum Hudson Odoi was a big member of that team. Ethan Ampadu, who's a, a Leipzig. Mm. Reese James, who's now playing with the first team so there was a there was a lot of incredible players uh, I guess all of them their work rate on the training ground and how they train and how they conduct themselves all different class as well and I guess that's it is a academy with a lot of good players and it, they've they've proved I guess over the years the criticism of Chelsea is not a lot of young players are getting a chance and with Lampard now you're seeing seeing more and more of the younger players playing the likes of the young Billy Gilmore he's getting yeah. a chance now and, and taking it he's doing very well and it's just it's pleasing to see and it's it was always something everyone missed at the academy because you always wanted that person you could look up and say he's come through the same path we've come through the academy and he's he's done it and the first probably was um Ruben Loftus-Cheek in my era who started getting a few games and Andreas Christensen, are still, who are both still in the first team now, but they were the people you looked at and thought they'd been given a chance and it gave all of us a bit of hope. So it is really pleasing to see that a lot of the players I've played with now are getting their chances and mm. they all thoroughly deserved it. Is there a part of your kind of wishes, maybe if I'd stuck around while Frank was there, maybe I would have been in that group who who could have got a chance? Um, I always like to, you'd always like to think that because I, I'm always back what I could do sort of thing. And I guess if I'd been given that opportunity, I think before Frank came in, I'd, that was, I'd already knew my time at Chelsea was, was up, but yeah, I guess there's always hindsight, but I, I never feel like it's good to look, look back like that. No, absolutely. Everyone, every, yeah. Everyone's path's different and that kind of thing. And I know the, with the way I work and my work rate, energy, technical ability, that kind of thing. I'm just, I know my chance will come at, at some point and I've just got to keep remaining positive and keep plugging away and working hard. That's, that's all you can do. The the dream's never over. So, yeah. Anyways, back to Sunderland. Um, I was going to ask you something because obviously as a player who's recently joined the club, been there and seen it, I mean, we, we were talking earlier about the results in the, in the last season for the under 23s. And obviously there's a lot of players come and gone this summer as is part and parcel of the nature of the game, you know, people's contracts run down and stuff. And, the academy staff will be looking to recruit players, bring under 18s through next season who can play part of that team that you were part of. Um, there's a lot of concern there that people are worried that 
although the results ultimately don't count for very much, that it might put some players off from joining the club, you know, if they see how badly the club struggled, you know. I mean, we, we, we have kind of fear and this could have a couple of year not on effect with um, with Sunderland. I mean, do you think do you think that will ultimately put players off coming to Sunderland, or do you think is that what ultimately counts to a player looking for a new, a new move? You can have a lot of lads coming out of the Championship and Premier League under twenty three sides looking for new clubs. Do you think Sunderland's still an attractive proposition? I th- I think definitely because ultimately for any under twenty three player is to be playing first team football. So I guess when you just look at the first team and like you said, the size of the club and the history of the club and the fans and that kind of thing. That is what ultimately attracts a player to that club. And then with everyone trying to push for first team positions and that kind of thing, um, that's ultimately what's going to affect your performance in the under-23s. Because when Phil Parkinson came in at Jack Ross, they used to come to a lot of the home, almost all the home games, there'll be a first team member of staff there to watch. So you're always trying to impress. You're always get, getting, um, there's always an eye on you to so you never know who's watching. You never know when you're going to get a chance at every game. You've got to try and put in a performance. So I think the idea of um, getting opportunity in the first team and the size of the club, that is probably the main attraction to an under-23 player who's maybe been released elsewhere and looking to join a new club. Mm. I think the result, the results of the past aren't don't affect, won't affect you too much. Because I think even before I joined, they... they the under-23s hadn't done too well the season before and it, it was not something I looked deep into and thought, oh, I don't want to come here because of that that reason. It was more for you've got to be selfish in some ways and think, I want to try and make it as a first-team player. This is hopefully a good club to do that. And with football, mm. things sometimes don't work out the way they do and it was like that with me this this season. But it was it was a chance I just couldn't not take up and... Yeah, I think so. Ultimately, it was sort of looking at the bigger picture more than looking too deeply into results of the academy and that kind of thing. Mm. In a similar vein, it, it looks like Barley Mumba's actually off to join Norwich City, which is news that hasn't really gone down too well with fans. Um, are you surprised to see him leave Sunderland? Were you expecting Barley maybe to impact on the first team yeah, at some point? I, I wasn't even aware that was happening. So, yeah, that is quite a surprise. Um, I always thought... Barley was a really good lad and he was obviously a local boy and doing well and he had his games in the first team and, and did well. And I think where he'd been reformed as almost a right-back this season, he'd, he'd been a centre midfielder the season before and then he moved to right-back, which he think played for the England youth teams and a little bit in his younger days. But I think he took to it very well and he, he played in, in a checker trade game and I thought he had a good game against Grimsby. Then I think he was just obviously adjusting to that position. And I think he he could have done well there. I, I saw potentially him. He was a, a very good player technically on the ball and attacking-wise, and he was working on his defensive game, and he, he was getting better um, with each game he played there in the under-23. So it, it is quite a surprise, really, to find out that he was leaving. He always had a lot of potential, I thought, and someone I thought would do well at Sunderland. But he obviously he must have had his reasons. I'm not. I'm not too sure why. But well, I think I think it's probably more to do with the club itself. If they're receiving a decent fee for a player mm-hmm. who's not really made an impression on the first team yet, then they're going to be tempted because of the, I guess, the situation they're in. It's, but yeah. three hundred and fifty thousand pounds. I'm not too sure if he's worth selling. But you know, that's my opinion. I think I think somebody like Barley. This is this is the problem with Sunderland being in the third tier, isn't it? In the sense that. You, you, when you came to Sunderland, 
you probably could have signed for a number of other League One clubs and you would have played a lot of first-team football. And same goes for Barley, I guess. You know, if these clubs have got like an England under-20 international sitting in the ranks, you would expect that player to be playing a third-tier level, you know, and maybe they're not getting the chances at Sunderland, which is why we're seeing players go. And it's, it's a shame because he's a good player. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, you know, he, he, he's a central midfield player by trade and maybe, maybe it's his chance to go out there and um, better himself, I guess. Yeah. In regards to the other players that you've played with at Sunderland, Barley being one of them, um, which ones in particular stand out to you as having the brightest futures going forward? I mean, we've just seen Anthony Patterson given a new contract, the goalkeeper, um, <clears throat> which looks like he's going to form part of the first team next season, and that's great news. But I mean, who, who, who in that squad do you think? You know, when you when you're when you're looking forward, who do you think could be a real first team player for Sunderland? I think in my team you had the likes of Jack Diamond who went on loan at Harrogate. He yeah, I think he had quite a good season at the end and Harrogate were doing well and he's someone who's um, got a spark and someone who, who I look at and think has a has a bright future. I went with, on the preseason tour with the first team with him and he's just an exciting player, good technically. Um, he's got a good finish on him and he's someone who he's fearless. He doesn't mind taking on a player, that kind of thing. He stuff like that doesn't phase him. There's the likes of Jordan Hunter who went on loan to South Shields, which... Probably you look at that and think that's not the highest of levels of football, but he he brought home all the awards for player of the season, young player of the season, that kind of thing. He had another good year. Obviously, it's a taste of men's football. So whether or not when he comes back in the preseason and starts pushing for a first-team position, I think the season he's had, he, he should definitely back himself to do that. Benji, I'm not sure what the situation with Benji is, but he was always someone who lit up the pitch. He could go quiet in games, but then a quick, one two minutes he could always produce a bit of magic and you'd be he's someone you just you stood out and you always remembered either the training pitch or or in games 23's games and I think he got his goal with the first team and he had a little run of games um but I think he had a situation with the club I'm not really sure too much I don't know the details and ins and outs of it but that that was obviously his issue and I don't know what will be resolved with that but he was always another player I thought was had a lot of potential as well yeah obviously you've just Mentioned, touched on there, Jack Diamond went out on loan and it's probably done him the world of good, you know, playing with men, essentially, you know, being being on the pitch yeah. with rough, tough defenders, having to, you know, get chopped down and deal with, you know, maybe getting kicked about a bit more than he does at under 23s level. And I'm quite, I'm actually quite passionate in my belief that for young players to develop properly, they need to earn first team experience somewhere. And um, you, you obviously, you played a little bit of football with Falkirk in Scotland. Um, what What's your thoughts on the whole handling of it at Sunderland I mean Sunderland aren't historically known for, for loaning players out too often and I, I mean there's, there's a good example Ethan Robson's just left the club in 24 in a yeah. couple of months and he only he's only recently went out on loan I mean what do you think this is a problem with the system where maybe players need to go out a bit earlier um, did, did, did you feel like there's been enough uh, opportunities to go out and play regularly for even yourself I mean did you get any chance to go out last year there were there was talks of it and I think ultimately I feel like the younger you're able to play men's football and go out on loan the better so yeah, I, I believe in that and it's an it's an approach definitely uh, when you use at Chelsea they take you've probably heard stories of how many players are on loan there they've got a whole loan system and loan group of staff that work with them um, and ultimately it's to send players out on loan at a young age to get that first team experience to hopefully one day come back and be at a level to play first team football because like you said, the way people view under 23 football is you could be doing very well in your own age group and playing 
week in week out having good performances but then at the end of the day you're you're playing against people your age you're you're almost expected to um perform well and handle handle that scenario so in order to kind of gain any proper experience and way of sort of progressing and showing what you can do you need to be playing men's football and I think that has definitely put Jack in a very good position and for for myself I think early on in pre-season where I had a little bit of a, a sniff around the first team I think I wanted to try and stick around and hopefully get a chance to be in a match day squad that kind of thing but then when it approached um the end of December and January I did have a conversation to say uh, I want to be starting looking looking for a loan move that kind of thing and um I don't know however, however much the club helped, but obviously I had my agent on the case and that kind of thing to try and do that. Um, but then I guess I, I had a little bit of a, a sniff again around Christmas and was in a few matchday squads and on the bench. And I thought, I like I said, I, I'd always back myself and thought if I'm training well and results aren't going the way the first team manager wants, then maybe I will get a chance. But there there wasn't too much of a loan conversation. But I think ultimately, I don't, I don't know how much Sunderland deal with that and I think you'd probably know better than me because I've only been there a year but I think it's something they they could look into um because you could see the the success of Jack Diamond and even players like Jordan and even Ethan but Ethan didn't really get a chance this year but he had a good loan at Grimsby and I think the year before that Dundee you think the proof's in the pudding with the players that have gone out on loan and Elliot Embleton the year before at Grimsby that these players are doing well in these first team environment so I think the more they can do it and the younger they can do it the better for the player hmm. and after a year of academy experience do you feel you're a better player now than you were when you arrived I think in the fact that potentially not a under 20 under 23s player I, I don't think I'm any better being an under 23s player but I think it, in the sense of I was in and around the first team more training with them and it's probably the level the the level of the training of the, with the first team produced I think that helped me a lot and I guess what I've learned more from it is is another year, which is obviously horrible, but another year of rejection and how you, how you bounce back from that. And I think that's a massive thing I'm going to take out of this. And again, move into a different part of the country. Um, I think there's more off-field aspects I've learned than, than on-field because I think ultimately for me at this age, I'm only going to learn with um, games in the first team. And it was a shame I didn't get that opportunity. And I think if I had been given the opportunity, I, I would have, hopefully done something done some good and um produced some good performances and I think yeah that's obviously a thing I I kind of not a regret but I just wished and it's obviously a shame that I didn't get that opportunity in the first team because I think I would have learned a lot more and it would have accelerated my development for sure yeah so what do you think the future holds for you then is there any sort of are you looking at any particular level um where you think you might end up or is there is there any sort of moves in the pipeline Talks with clubs have been a bit a bit slow at the moment with everything that's going on. No one's sure when pre-season's going to be back on, that kind of thing. My agent's been able to get hold of more and more clubs at the moment. I wouldn't want to pitch myself at a certain level. I just want to be at a club where the manager trusts me, he wants to play me, and I'm ultimately going to get game time. So wherever that takes me is obviously the next step. It's just literally getting games is my main aim and main goal. I don't want to be somewhere where I'm going to be a squad player. I want to be the a player that's going to be starting and warrant that you, you don't ever guarantee yourself a game week in, week out. You've got to perform, but somewhere where I'm going to be given an opportunity straight away to show what I can do. That's, that's the sort of way I want to, I'm going to approach this. And it's quite exciting. The fact that the world's my oyster at the moment, I've not got anywhere as such, but 
I can speak to whoever I want and that kind of thing. And hopefully somewhere comes up that's right for me and it'd have to be the right move for me, I think, at this stage. And maybe somewhere that I have a bit of security with a, a maybe a two-year contract opposed to a one. So I've got a place I can start to call home Yeah, and really kick on. I've got to kick on now. It's not even a... Um, an if or but or anything it's i've got to kick on now so just got to remain positive and hopefully something comes up in the next couple of months when things with the whole covid situation becomes clear and we know when the season's going to start so yeah just got to keep fit and keep ticking away well good luck in the future ruben i'm like i say i think i speak for uh i think i speak for all Sunderland fans when i say we wish you all the best and take care and thanks for joining us today on the podcast i appreciate it Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.